You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So we had another training camp. We'll walk our way through that. We're finally going to get to the backlog of questions. And for some reason, and there must be something going on on social media because it, there's just a huge groundswell of Kumaro support. Now, that's not different. There's always been Kumaro support, but this um, it's different. There have been probably three comments, you know, two on Facebook. I had somebody message me on Twitter. I'm seeing other guys on Twitter that I don't even follow, but it gets popped up. Like, oh, you know, Kumaro is, is who's the, Rodney or whatever the guy, the super angry guy? He's talking about, oh, I, Kumaro's the second best guy on the team, second best wide receiver. It's just, just like, what, what happened? What, what's going on? Did he have a good day again? So I, I, I guess I just need to clarify exactly what my stance is on this. And no, I haven't really changed my mind. So we'll talk about Jake Kumaro, who once again is doing well in the preseason, and that's cool. Super excited to watch him dominate the regular season like the rest of us, but I'm just... We'll, we'll talk about why I don't know that that's going to happen, and neither do you. And uh, I don't think there's anything else. I don't, I, yeah, that'll be good. There is one other thing I wanted to touch on. If you hadn't seen it, I blasted it around. But I've been keeping it under wraps up until today. Um, by the time this is, well, definitely, because it's a half hour from right now. So right now when you're hearing this, I did launch a new podcast. At this time, it's only going to be once a week. We'll see if that gets ramped up, but scheduling can be kind of tricky, which is why I do a solo podcast. But it's going to be overtime NFL draft. Obviously, you guys know I like the draft a lot. And since I've been in this network, I've been thinking, man, there's going to be a draft show, and it's not going to be me, and I really am going to get upset about that. So I took the initiative, and I got a hold of uh, Mark Jarvis, guy that I've done some work with in the past with my uh, NFL draft YouTube channel. And uh, we fired this thing up. So bottom line is, first episode has gone live. The audio quality, for some reason, is trash. If I pull up my MP3 file right now, it sounds great. After it got uploaded, it's straight trash. So I apologize in advance, but I would appreciate if you wouldn't mind. If you were a draft fan or whatever, go check that out. We were uh, recapping, or I guess previewing, the, uh, the 2020 quarterback class. The way that they have it written up, it's not what I'm calling the show, but in order for you to find it, and I'm not even sure if it's on iTunes yet, but it's NFL Overtime-Draft Edition. That's what they call it. I'm not calling it that. That sounds dumb. But it's a, it's a pretty in-depth episode. We cover 21 quarterbacks. So be sure to check that out. Let me know what you think. 
But anywho, before we take our break, let me just remind you once again about the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever. Talking about fantasy football, man. Also talking about $3.5 million in prizes and a $1 million grand prize. If you're a big fantasy football fan and you're planning on dabbling a bit, you might want to jump in on this. If you're not a fantasy football fan, you might want to consider jumping in on this. Because you know what the funny thing is? Ask anybody that plays fantasy football. You know why you don't bring in somebody that doesn't know how to play? Because you're going to beat everybody. You bring in that one guy that doesn't even watch football, and it's like, come on, it'll be fun. Bring Randy in. It's going to be awesome. And Randy comes in. He doesn't even do the draft. He doesn't even set his roster. You have to do it for him, and then he beats you. Just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. If you're new to the show, what I'm talking about is Draft.com running their $3.5 million tournament. It is a best ball tournament, which is to say you do your draft, and they're going to set your roster for you with all the best players, so you don't have to worry about setting your roster, no management, you're not going to do any trades, no waivers, none of that stuff. These leagues are starting up every couple minutes, so you can jump in right now, do your draft, 16 weeks goes by, boom, instant millionaire. Actually, I probably should clarify that a bit, um, considering you're going to be making the government a little bit rich, you'll be slightly under a millionaire. Still going to be very, very rich. And I'm still going to be very, very insistent that maybe you hook me up with some stuff. I mean, I'm not greedy, but I'm, I'm seriously working with like a 35-inch TV at home. I'm just saying, if you win a million dollars, can you hook me up with a 55-inch TV or something? Come on. thought we were friends, man. But if you're even thinking about it, all you got to do is head over to Draft.com, make a deposit, can be a minimum deposit, whatever you want to do. And when you make your deposit on Draft.com, enter promo code PACKERNET and you get entered into this competition for free. All you got to do is search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com. Come play free with promo code PackerNet. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So, training camp. Let's get the fun stuff out of the way. The injuries. So, Trevor Davis, Kevin King, Jamal Williams, um... Campbell, Burks, Vitale, Malcolm Johnson, Ento, Evan Bayless, Roberts, Sternberger, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, not in pads today. Uh, EQ has got a knee issue. Hopefully that's not serious. Uh, Brian Balaga was back today, which is kind of expected. He's not injured. They just got him on a snap count. Uh, the linebacker situation, it does look like Curtis Bolton stepped up. He is seemingly the guy right now. So Curtis Bolton and Blake Martinez, if the season were to start today, I think would be our starting inside linebackers. Uh, interestingly enough, the corners. Now, a lot of this obviously has to do with injury. However, the alignment right now 
with uh, with King and Josh Jones out, excuse me, Josh Jackson out, is Alexander and Tony Brown on the boundary, and then Tremont William in the slot, who gets rotated with uh, with Raven Green. The only reason I find that interesting is because it wasn't very long ago it was Alexander and Tremont. That was what it is. And I don't think you're going to put Tony Brown on the outside if you don't think he's capable. Maybe it has more to do with Tremont is just going to be our best option in the slot. We don't really have anybody else. I don't really know what the situation there is. Right, just getting your best guys on the field. But I feel like it's good news for Tony Brown at the very least. I mean, you, you get Josh Jackson or Kevin King back, maybe Brown's gone. I don't know. But um, I like him. I don't think he's going to be a world beater. Probably, like everybody else, a little overhyped by Packers fans. But he is a good football player. I love the energy that he brings. And um, hopefully he can get, continue to grow. Sounds like it was a real good day once again for Aaron Rodgers and the wide receivers. Rodgers was just carving everybody up. The only real note was that maybe there was some issues with him and um, him and MVS. Not exactly on the right page, but overall, pretty solid. Uh, Dexter Williams, who I mentioned, did not do very well as a receiver, according to PFF. Uh, comes out in practice today and dropped two balls. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because that's one area where I think he could thrive, right? He's got that speed. It's just about getting him in space, right? The one cut and then burst, or don't even need to cut. Throw the ball to him, and he can just burst straight up the field. But, um, I, you know, and the Packers cut the one guy that could be seen as a receiving back. So I, I it, it definitely seems like the Packers aren't interested in just the receiving type backs. They, they've had plenty of opportunities you know, Amir Abdullah was out there, even though he's not doing great right now. That's just what he is. The Browns traded Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson is a phenomenal receiving back. And again, we, we picked one up who is the only guy that doesn't fit the mold of, of the guys that we already have. And he was the first one cut. He's the first one out the door. The, it's just, again, it's just not interested. And I'm not saying he's a great football player and we let him go. I'm just saying if it was that important, we would be emphasizing it. Clearly what the Packers want is a bigger guy right? We want a guy that's this mold, but can also catch, right? I mean, apparently the Tariq Cohen types just are not what we want. I don't know. One of the few teams that just does not seem interested, maybe the only team that I can think of that is just not at all interested in that kind of a back. Um, Aaron Jones is still going strong. They're still being cautious with him. He wasn't out for the full practice, but he's getting a little bit of work. Uh, Matt LaFleur actually had, as far as special teams notes, some real good stuff to say about Alan Lazard. Um, I didn't really put him on my radar, and I still think it's a real long shot that he makes the team. However, strong performance in the preseason. Obviously, he had a you know big go up and get it touchdown. And apparently, the note from LaFleur was, all you got to do is turn on the tape, and he is the first guy down uh, on kickoff every time. And then he says, we're going to reward guys who give that effort, which is a pretty strong statement. Now, Alan Lazard has, just like a lot of these, you know, bubble guys, they've, they've got a, a crowd. There's a group of Packer fans that really like Lazard. So if you're one of those people, it's your day, man. It's your time. Get out there and start screaming, banging that drum. Still a very, very long, long shot. And, and, and understand, as you're rooting for Lazard, we're also rooting against somebody else. Somebody else is getting cut so he can be on the team. That's the hard part about this. It's possible we just keep a ton of wide receivers all over again. Just like in years past, we get seven wide receivers or something that makes it a little bit easier for Lazard to make it, but still tough. Uh, Darius Shepard was fielding some punts. I don't think any of this is necessarily really good uh, news for Trevor Davis. Fortunately for Trevor Davis, however, he's starting to show up as a wide receiver. So Davis is, that, that was always the whole thing is, 
try to find a guy that can do special teams, even if he can't do it as well as, as Trevor Davis, kind of well, because we don't want to have a guy on our team that's just a special teamer but can't contribute as a wide receiver. Alternatively, it would be nice for Davis to step up as a wide receiver, but you figure at this point it's just not going to turn on. It's not going to happen. It seems to be happening. So bottom line, it's a pretty interesting development here. It's a real strong competition for Trevor Davis's job at on special teams, but there's also a really strong competition for Trevor Davis making the roster as a wide receiver. Um, as far as the defensive side of the ball, you know, defensive line was pretty dominant as per usual. Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, they they just they're just kind of better than our offensive line, I think. So it's it's good to see that Zadarius is still kind of carving people up. Uh, there's no real news on the um, the Oren Burks injury, so still kind of fingers crossed on that, hoping that uh, he's going to be okay and it's not that serious. And so that uh, that seems to be about it. I know Kenny Clark did get hurt. Uh, he did go inside momentarily. Everybody held their breath, but he came right back out, so seemingly everything's okay. The only thing I would say is if at the next training camp, which I don't know if that's today, they'll probably get a day off, but if they hold him out... Let's not have a super big panic attack until we hear from the coaches because Kenny Clark is about as valuable as anybody else, and seeing him go inside, even if the guy's got just a bruise on his shin, they might just be like, you know what, I think you're good. Especially since, what? I mean, what does he need? He goes in there and he just dominates. Kenny Clark, I think, is one of the few people on this team that we could just sit him for the entirety of, of the remainder of training camp and preseason, let him play week one, and he's good. Not suggesting we do that necessarily, but again, wild over precautions, I'm okay with that. Um, in other news, the Packers did claim somebody off of waivers, which is, if you remember, we talked about some options. But I also said prior to those options, what's probably going to happen is they're going to go out and get somebody that I've never heard of before, and I'm going to go on Pro Football Focus, and I'm going to tell you all this stuff that doesn't matter because he's not going to make the team anyways. Well, that's exactly what they did. Now, there's still one spot open, so we'll see if they do anything more exciting. But in the meantime, let's do all the crazy exciting stuff about a guy that, I mean, come on. Now, there were questions, and this is the thing. How much stock do you want to put in this specifically? In other words, is this telling us something, or is this just, again, taking the top guy on the list? Or some somewhere in between? In other words, on one end of the extreme, this doesn't mean anything. They just grabbed a guy that they thought was pretty good and maybe could come in and compete, and that's the end of the story. On the other hand, we're getting a direct message from Brian Gutekunst that there's a problem with our corners. Either number one, they're not performing very well, or number two, the more obvious thing, we've got a lot of injuries. Kevin King is hurt. Josh Jackson hasn't taken a single snap in all of training camp yet. There may potentially be some... And, and think about how... how I don't want to say bad, but how not great that is for our entire group. We've got Jair, Tony Brown, and Tremont. And even if you really like those guys, what is our depth? So I, I kind of jokingly talk about Derek Jones not making the team. However, if, if one or two of the guys that are hurt right now end up on IR, Derek Jones becomes, he's going to make the team. I mean, that, I, I guess, you know, we got Kadar, we've got a lot of other guys, but he's got a real shot at, at being a corner. You know, if we keep six corners, it's not going to be that hard for him to win a spot. But here's what I can uh, glean from Mr. Derek Jones. Six foot two, 188 pounds out of Mississippi. He was a sixth round draft pick in 2017 by the New York Jets. As far as the preseason goes, he seems like a pretty average player. 
His overall grades, for example, 2017 was a 66, which is average. 2018 was a 71. So far this year, 58. He did not have a very good outing. Now, the one thing that might excite some people if they look at it is the fact that he played one game in his entire life in the regular season. He had 38 total snaps, 21 against the run, 17 in coverage. His overall grade was a 79.1, which is very good. His coverage grade was an 89.9, which is elite. Right, I'm going to give him credit for a 90 on that one. They loved what he did in coverage, and it was against the New England Patriots. So that's kind of cool. The problem is his run defense grade was a 45, and his tackling grade was a 36. This kind of bears itself out throughout the entirety of the preseason as well, where there definitely seems to be a tackling issue with him. In uh, 2017, his, his tackling grade through the preseason was a 30. In 2018, it went up to a 56, but that's only because in preseason week four, he had a good game. In in weeks one and two, he had a 40 and a 40. He has serious, serious tackling issues. So you look at him, you figure he's probably a good fit, six foot two. He's going to play on the outside. I don't know if I'd call him bigger at 188, but, you know, he's got the long arms. You jam up a receiver to be able to possibly be able to come in and compete as a Petten-style corner. But at the end of the day, even if he can develop into a a decent enough um, cover guy, which is the most important thing, he's got to be able to tackle a little bit. So that's the long and short that I can get from Derek Jones as far as, you know, it's as much as I want to dig into it. And, you know, as far as position, no, he's not going to be in the slot. Uh, I don't think that's his skill set. I don't think his body type is, is super great for that, and he hasn't really ever done that throughout the entire preseason career over three years he took one snap from the slot 128 snaps um, on the boundary he's got a pretty clearly defined role that is to say unless Petten's like oh they're playing him out of position let's try him in the slot I don't know I doubt it so I want to turn my attention now to some of these questions because again we've got a pretty big backlog I'll start with the uh, the texts and phone calls and then uh, we'll try to move over to actually you know what let's do Kumaro first because this is going to take a long time So just a little insight, there were two comments in Facebook. The first was from Chris. He says, what if Jake, talking about Kumaro, is the second best wide receiver? What if Shepard is the fourth best? The point of this wasn't about really Jake Kumaro. But again, it just kind of points to, like, where did all this come from all of a sudden? But the the actual point he was making is maybe we cut Geronimo. Yeah, maybe. Obviously, if anybody's been listening to this for a while, they know I don't really value Geronimo Allison as high as a lot of other people. Todd then says, okay, enough about Kumaro not making the team because he's A, too old, and B, hasn't done it in the regular season. Says he's easily a top four receiver on this team and will keep five to six. Let's start with the first issue I have, which is giving him an excuse that he was injured. I think I'm going to go ahead and call BS on that. Jake Kumaro was not injured last year. At least that doesn't explain why he couldn't do it in the regular season. Let's start with that. Jake Kumaro got hurt in the preseason. He got put on IR, and then he came back. He came back, and his first week was against the Arizona Cardinals. They eased him in against the Arizona Cardinals. They also eased him in against Atlanta. He had five total snaps against Arizona. He had four total, or excuse me, six total snaps against uh, Atlanta. Now, Arizona was the only game in which he had a positive grade. This is for the entirety of his, in, of his career in the regular season. And it was five snaps, so it doesn't really count for much. By week 15, he has now been healthy for three weeks at least, possibly even longer. Right? This is just when they could activate him off of IR. So this man has been healthy for three straight weeks. Now in week 15 against Chicago, they ramp up his, um, 
they ramp up his uh, snaps. Week 15, he had 21 total snaps. And then in week 16, 57. And week 17, 47. In week 15, he had two targets, one reception for five yards. Week 16, where he had 50-some snaps, he had three targets, three receptions, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Week 17, four targets, three receptions, 19 yards. In those three games, he got graded at a 53, which is below average, 61, which is average, and 55. His overall grade was a 58.9 as a healthy wide receiver of 58.9. Now, he got a late start, and there's all kinds of excuses that you can put into this. I'm just not going to give you injured. Everybody's injured. As a matter of fact, probably most of the people on this team outside of Jay Kumaro are injured, a lot more than he's injured. Because they've been playing and getting beaten and battered, and they got bruised up ankles and twisted ankles and torn this and stretched out this, and this hurts and that aches. Kumaro is probably the most healthy guy on the entire team. The bigger picture that I have here, though, is I don't think it's that big of a, of a stretch to say we don't know. Reggie Gilbert has been, you know, better in the preseason than Jay Kumaro. Maybe not quite this year, but looking back last year, he was dominant. I mean, just, just looking at how they graded out, Jay Kumaro was like an 86 in the preseason. That's awesome. That's very, very good. Pushing elite. Reggie Gilbert was an 87. Right, he got sacks constantly. I mean, him and Jay Kumaro were just dominant. Reggie Gilbert gets gets into the regular season. He can't do very much. He was behind Clay Matthews. He was behind Nick Perry. He was behind Kyler Fackrell, and for good reason. He ended the season, which he played the entire season, at a 63.5, which is higher than Jay Kumaro did for his time. Again, maybe Jay Kumaro is a dominant wide receiver and he's going to be our own little Adam Thielen and he's going to come in and he's just going to be a freak and he's going to be dominant and he's going to come in week one and da 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 Maybe. I'm just saying I don't know and I get a little uncomfortable with the whole he's clearly our second best wide receiver and he should be doing this and that and the other thing. Mike McCarthy's dumb for not giving him more time. And now Matt LaFleur is dumb because he should be the number two wide receiver. Why is MVS out there as the number two and Geronimo's out there as the number three? Kumaro should be our slot guy, if nothing else. I've already said I think he's going to make the team at this point. And yeah, 27 isn't that old. But when it comes down to trying to decide between an undrafted free agent with an injury history at 27 compared to a 22-year-old fresh out of college, they're going to go with the 22-year-old. I'm not saying he's 35 years old and he's got to go because of his age. I'm just saying it's a massive disadvantage. All things being perfectly equal, they're going to take Darius Shepard over Jay Kumaro. They're not equal, and I think Jay Kumaro has done a better job, and he's got a better rapport with Aaron Rodgers, and he seems to have some great technique with certain things. And I hope that this translates. I hope that he starts week one, and I hope that he's just as good in the regular season as he is in the uh, preseason. All I'm saying is we had one, one little peak And he was in the regular season, and he was healthy, and he wasn't very good. This also comes after two years of playing for the Cincinnati Bengals and never getting a start in the regular season. And he was pretty good in the preseason. So there's just something weird, and I don't know how it works or why it works and how you can dominate so much in the preseason and in training camp and beat everybody on your team. And then the regular season, the teams like the Bengals look at it and go, eh. And remember, I, as I said, I was the first one on the Jake Kumaro bandwagon because he goes to Whitewater, which is where I went to school. So it was like, boom, he's a Bosa cousin. He went to Whitewater. This is my guy. I've been a Jake Kumaro fan long. I mean, it, it was back when it was just a joke. Like, this guy's obviously not going to do anything. 
I said I was going to go out and get a Jay Kumaro jersey. And it, I mean, it was just, it was a gigantic joke. But he was my guy. And he comes out and he's dominant. So this is awesome. This is exactly like best case scenario, exactly what I wanted. But we got to pump the brakes a little bit. I'm not going to fully come to a conclusion about Jay Kumaro until I watch him in the regular season. That's true for everybody. Declaring him an elite wide receiver and the clear number two on this team because of training camp and preseason is silly. The bottom line is Packer fans are super hyped up about the wide receivers, and we don't know if we have a good wide receiver outside of Devontae. We don't. I mean, we don't. I don't know if MVS is going to be any good. I don't know if Equinemius is going to be any good. I don't have any real hope that Geronimo is going to be very good. Hopefully, Jay Kumaro is kind of good, but I don't know. There's a lot of guys who are showing a lot of stuff in training camp, and it's a great competition. I don't have any data or reason to necessarily believe, other than there's a lot of guys and one of them should be able to step up, that we're going to have a good number two wide receiver. And I think it's important to keep that in mind as we're going through this because it seems like the temperature on Twitter is we've got like seven elite wide receivers and it's going to be hard to figure out which one to keep. And Kumaro might be the best of the best. He's basically Adam Thielen. Dude, relax. He's a D3 guy who never got any starts in Cincinnati, played about four games with the Packers, didn't do very well, and is back again in 2019. He's healthy. He looks good. Hopefully he can stay on the team, and hopefully he can play pretty well in the regular season. We'll see. I mean, I think he has a floor just because of his rapport with Aaron Rodgers, who's a very good quarterback and is going to be able to elevate pretty much everybody. But I don't know if Jay Kumaro is going to be Geronimo Allison good or if he's going to be, you know, a Donald Driver good. I, I, I don't know what his career trajectory is going to be. I'm hoping for Donald Driver, but, I mean, jeez, we don't know. We don't know. And just to be clear, all this is true about all of our wide receivers. Marquez was not very good last year. Now, there's talk about him taking a big step, and he's going to be great in the system. But again, he played every single week. He started getting full-time reps starting in week four. According to Pro Football Focus, he had three good games. That's it. Week eight against the Rams, week nine against the, the Patriots, week 10 against Miami. Three weeks in a row. Before that was average to trash. After that was mostly trash and a couple averages. That's our number two right now. And he's still our number two. Jay Kumaro has not taken his job. Not to this point. Maybe he will. I don't know. But I think the hype train has kind of moved the 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 goalpost a bit, right? It used to be prior to the draft, like we got to get a wide receiver because we don't have a number two. Now we didn't really get any wide receivers, but because some guys are pretty good in, in training camp, even though they were all pretty bad in, in, in the preseason game, I know there was a touchdown to Lazard, but I'm just telling you, everybody graded out pretty poorly with the exception of a couple. Kumaro being one of them, obviously. I don't know. I'm not, I just, the problem, and part of the reason I'm doing this is not to be a Debbie Downer. It's just, when you come into the season super jacked up, right? We got the best pass rushers. We got the best defensive line. Our safeties are going to be so good. Our wide receivers are going to be so good. Our offensive line is so good. Our running backs are so... We, we build up this team in our mind that is unstoppable. And then you come out, just like in the preseason, what, you know, when the Texans showed up, oh, we're so dominant. We couldn't do anything against the Texans. Then we get into our preseason game, and we won, and that's cool. And there was some upside, but it was super sloppy. Offensive line was super sloppy. Penalties were crazy. Tackling was horrible. Most of our wide receivers were not very good. Our tight ends were basically non-existent. Dexter and Trey showed some burst, but were definitely raw and couldn't do very much. 
it's just going to be very, very crushing if we build this team up in our mind to be something that it isn't, and then reality hits, because it's going to hit real hard week one. That's not a projection that we lose. I'm just saying, we, we, we expect things to be dominant, and then even if it's kind of close and we barely eke out a win, it's like, oh, what, what is this team? I, th- I thought they were going to be good. That was terrible. There's a lot of bad here. Most of this team is potential. Marquez, EQ, EQ Kumaro, Elton Jenkins, Billy Turner, Dexter Williams, Matt LaFleur's entire offensive scheme, Zadarius, Preston, Gary, Savage, Amos, everybody. And the bottom line is, it's still 2018, man. We're still looking at who guys were in 2018. And if the 2018 team comes out with a couple additions, I don't, you know, maybe we're the second best team in the NFC North. The only way we're dominant, the only way we're pushing for a Super Bowl is if guys get better. And all I'm saying is, we can't just sit here and say, well, I know everybody's better. No, you don't. I really hope we are. And I'm glad that there's a lot of good stuff happening in training camp. It's definitely better than it was last year, especially the rapport between the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers specifically, and the wide receivers, right? Last year it was a nightmare with the wide receivers not knowing what to do, being in the wrong spot. They're just, it's horrible. But, you know, again, that whole rapport started happening toward the end of last season. That's probably why they're in a better rhythm now, but it wasn't very good last season. So, yeah, if if I'm not ready to just sit here and declare Jay Kumaro is definitely going to make the team, and this is definitely going to be this and definitely that, I mean, Mike Daniels was definitely going to be on the team a month ago. So, no, I'm not going to say Jay Kumaro is definitely going to be on the team. He should be, and he probably will be, but I don't know. There aren't that many locks. The guys that we brought over in free agency are locks because we just brought them over, which is a big part of the team, I guess. Rodgers, Adams, Marquez... That's about it for wide receivers. Adams and Marquez. Geronimo, probably. Kumaro, probably. Davis, maybe. EQ, probably. I know what I should be doing, especially if I want to like ever make a ton of money and get my own TV show, is to sit here and say things definitively. I know for sure. right? Or if I want to be real big on Twitter, make super big declaration, get, get into a ton of fights on Twitter, and then I'll get all kinds of followers, and people either love me or talk about me because they hate me. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sit here and say, I don't know, and you don't know, and we don't know together. So just come sit next to me in our I don't know chairs. Stop getting up and being loud. Just relax. Come sit down for a little bit. Regular season isn't going to start for a few weeks. If you want to sit over there in the I think chair, that's fine. I'll come join. Why don't we go sit over there in the I think chairs? I think Jay Kumaro is going to make the team. I think Jay Kumaro is better than he was in the regular season last year. I think he's going to be able to translate from being good in, in training camp to being good in the regular season. I think those things are true. Cool. You're probably right. We'll see. But relax. <laughs> Calm down. And, and final point. Everything that's happening right now happened last year, but to a greater extent. Were you disappointed? Yes, I know he was on IR. Were you disappointed? The answer is yes. And we do this to ourselves every year. It's The Packers are going to be dominant. This guy's going to be a freak. And then we get disappointed. Because we're fans and we hype up guys too much and then things don't go the way that we expect and we get just... And if you're okay with that, if you can live with that and you're like, yeah, I know they're not going to be as good as I say, but I like getting jacked up. All right, man, have fun. Just don't, char- just don't start chirping at me about it. Anyways, let's take our second break and then we'll run through some questions and see how far we get. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, going back into our way back machine here. Kyler says, uh, do you think with our current backup quarterback situation, the Packers would go out and get a guy like Colin Kaepernick? I have to assume you're trolling, um, but if not, no. We're not going to get Colin Kaepernick. Are we going to get a guy like Colin Kaepernick? You mean like a veteran backup? Maybe, but probably not. Packers don't seem super interested in doing that. They like young guys as much as it seems like it would be kind of nice to have, you know, a veteran that's been able to play. And I mean, there's guys out there that are not good, right? They're like really bad starters who are mediocre backups. Those guys are floating around. I I wouldn't mind getting one of those guys. Do I think the Packers are going to do it? Probably not. Because you got to pay those guys is part of the problem. I don't think the Packers want to pay them, and they like the whole, like, oh, we're going to develop them, and I don't know what the plan is. It's just, it's not the way that they do stuff. So for another year, we're probably going to have Aaron Rodgers or bust, which is probably the case anyways, even with that guy. But it's just, it's going to be real bad if Aaron Rodgers goes out as opposed to pretty bad. Uh, That was followed up by should the Packers go after Melvin Gordon. I got these, like, back-to-back on Wednesday, and I was like, man, people are just picking on me today. (laughs) No, no, I, I talked about it before. We shouldn't go after Melvin Gordon. The value just isn't there. I mean, if, if, if everything was equal and he was completely free, would you go out and get him? Yeah. Would you want to give up Aaron Jones for him? <sighs> I mean, do I think the Packers would give up Aaron Jones for Melvin Gordon? Because there, there's other issues here, right? I mean, Aaron Jones has been injured, but so has Melvin Gordon. You know, he kind of disappeared at some point, whereas Aaron Jones has been pretty solid for pretty much forever. I don't know. I mean, the, the bottom line is you can make an argument that we need another running back. You know, I don't know if Jamal's it. We don't know if Dexter's it. Aaron Jones has hurt a lot. You know, who's going to be a steady, solid kind of back? But the bottom line is Melvin Gordon isn't that kind of back. And he's had some tread on the tires. And he wants big money. And I don't think there's any running back in the NFL worth paying that kind of money. I just don't think that there is. Um, the last question I got uh, via text message, I kind of already addressed it yesterday. But uh, Taylor from Arkansas was talking about any linebackers come to mind, and he brought up Hassan Riddick. Uh, The only reason I bring that up again is because a lot of people are hitting me up saying Josh Bynes. And I did talk about Josh Bynes yesterday, not in depth. But you go anywhere online and and look it up. He's the top available linebacker, which is why I brought it up. Um, You know, I I think Josh Bynes is is good enough. I mean, he's 30 years old, 6'1", 235. You know, PFF, he's, he's decent. And this is one of those situations where is decent good enough? And in my mind, the answer is always yes. But the problem is you can – I would be a terrible GM because I'd be sitting here on PFF going, oh, well, he's an upgrade. And I'd be looking at safeties and go, you know, the the, un, the available free agent safeties that have been sitting out there. Like, well, yeah, I'd, I'd want that guy and give me that guy and give me this guy. Because, I mean, they, they've just been consistently decent. And I just – I like having that kind of a floor. Because right now we got Blake Martinez – and a bunch of guys that I have no idea how good they're going to be, and I'm worried that if we go into the regular season and he's not very good as a starting linebacker, I, I you know, especially when we got a bunch of money sitting out there, Josh Bynes, what is he going to want, a million and a half? So my answer to these questions is always probably going to be yes. There's an available guy who's been decent throughout his entire career. Not great, but okay. Primarily a really good run defender, decent enough tackler, 
not giving you much by way of pass rusher coverage, which isn't the way the NFL is going. I understand that. But again, it couldn't hurt to bring him in, even if he's not out there all the time, right? If you want Curtis Bolton because he's better in coverage or Ty Summers because he's better in coverage in certain situations, fine. But is it the end of the world to have Josh Bynes rotationally? So, I mean, yeah, Josh Bynes is probably a handful of other guys that you can look up and just look at what he's done over the course of his career and go, yeah, that's that's good enough for me. But again, he's he's 29. He's primarily a run guy. And it's just there's certain rules that teams are super dogmatic about. He's pushing 30 and he's not the right mold. So we're not going to bring him on. I, I don't know. And maybe there's more information about him that I don't know, but you know, it just you look at him and you can just see why teams don't want him. And yeah, I'd be the one GM that picks him up. So I, you know, I can't really explain it beyond that. He's just not what teams are looking for, and I don't think he's what the Packers are looking for. Would I bring him on? Yes. Do I think the Packers will bring him on? No. You know, I saw his name starting to get thrown around a lot on um, on Twitter, which is because guys did exactly what I did. You Google available free agents. They have a list of the top 100. The top inside linebacker on the list is Josh Bynes. So you get people that go on Twitter. They start talking about Josh Bynes and how great he is because they want to sound smart. Then everybody picks up on it. Like, ooh, everybody's talking about this Josh Bynes guy. What's going on with that? That they ask me. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where we feel like we uncovered somebody. The fact of the matter is the Packers have known about Josh Bynes for a very long time and have not called him. We've had a problem with depth at linebacker for a very long time. The Packers are aware of that. They have not called him. Oren Burks got hurt. Josh Bynes is still not on the team. And that's true of Josh Bynes for 31 other teams. So it's not impossible. Maybe they pull the trigger if Oren's, uh, you know, if they get a result that Oren's out for an extended period of time and they don't feel good enough about Summers and, and whoever else we have, maybe they'll go out and do it. But, you know, it is what it is, man. The NFL has clearly spoken about about certain players that just, you know, it's kind of similar to what happened with Bashad Breeland where he's sitting out there it's like, Why? Or Eric Berry, right? It's, you know, I know he's got some injury stuff or whatever, but why? I don't know. Just there's some information out there, probably beyond what we can see, and it's just, it is what it is. And then finally, via the phone call, I got a question from Jim from Florida, who is a three-parter. Number one, do you think J.K. Scott has shaved yet? I didn't know that was a thing. I'll go with yes, just because in my mind I can only picture a shaved J.K. Scott who looks like he's 12. And a bearded J.K. Scott freaks me out. So I'm going to say yes and um, leave it at that. Number two, if you messed up a play as a Green Bay Packer, which coach would you least like to face? Menenga, who he referred to as glass-eating Menenga, or Mike Pettin, Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin? I would probably say Pettin. First of all, because Menenga kind of seems like the guy who looks really scary, but he can kind of be kind of cool, right? He'd chew you out, but he kind of like joke around with you later and maybe go have a drink with you at the bar. Pettin just looks angry all the time. Like, he looks like he's never smiled in his life, although, you know, there's pictures out there somewhere of him doing it, but he just, he hates it. Like, it hurts him physically to smile. And also, like, he's really just itching to punch somebody in the face, and I'm worried he would punch me. Beyond that, and I know this isn't the fun part of the answer, but he's a defensive coordinator. And I feel like he'd have a little bit more pull to say you're off the team. Then again, the other way to look at it is if Menenga doesn't like you, that's sort of your your last chance to make the team. So maybe that's your official. I, I don't know. Bottom line is, though, I, I feel like Pettin would kind of scare me a little bit more. And then his final question is, would it be crazy to let our quarterback decide who our number two wide receiver is? This is kind of another area where the teams are a lot more dogmatic about the issue than I would be. Now, I'm probably somewhere in between. I'm probably not going to let Aaron Rodgers choose any of the players on our roster, 
but I also would probably be more receptive to his input than at least the teams are letting on, right? Teams generally are going to tell you he has no say in this roster whatsoever. You know, it matters. There isn't a wide receiver on this planet that's catching a pass from anybody but Aaron Rodgers, you know, as far as the Packers go. There isn't a wide receiver quarterback without a, a wide receiver position without a quarterback. And his ability to distribute the ball is entirely a part of the wide receiver's success. Now, with that said, at the end of the day, I mean, you're, you're evaluating the wide receivers based on their own merits. And if you want to go to the quarterback and, and kind of ask him about it, that's fine. But ultimately, the things that Aaron Rodgers likes about a, a wide receiver that are relevant are going to be things that you can see on tape. And how much you like certain attributes or this or that, that's going to be entirely up to you. Aaron Rodgers might prioritize certain things over, you know, the, the head coach. It's, it's kind of like with the, the, the scrimmage, with the Texans, the, the joint practice. Aaron Rodgers saw the value in it, but he didn't like it and he doesn't want to do it anymore. The head coach kind of says, I understand that, and he was right about special teams, but I kind of don't care because you get a little bit of this, that, or the other, and we need that. So that, I think, is a perfect example of listening to the quarterback, taking in his advice and saying, you know what, I think you were right about this. Let's go that direction. But at the end of the day, I'm the head coach, and I value getting these couple things over the couple things that annoy you. And beyond that even, as the head coach and as the technically the, the lead offensive coordinator, which is what LaFleur is, I'm structuring an offense based on the players that I need to do certain things, right? My offense requires this, 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 and this. So I need these specific pieces. And I'm not going to put, you know, let's just say I really want a tall, fast number two. And I'm being overly generic, but just as an example. I want a guy that's really tall and really fast to be opposite Devontae Adams uh, because it does this and it does that and it does all these kind of things. And Aaron Rodgers says, well, I really like Jay Kumaro. He's in the right place. He's a more intelligent player. He's, he's better fundamentally. We've got a better rapport. You know, that's cool, but we're going with Marquez because that's how this offense operates, and I'm not going to completely tank the offensive operation for, you know, even in this case, a better wide receiver, right? Because the fundamentally, if you look at it, it's, you know, for example, we need a guy that can get down the field and, and stretch out the defense. Kumaro doesn't have the speed to do what a lot of our playbook requires our number two wide receiver do, which means all these other plays that, you know, the, the, the play in which we should have a tight end in an open spot in the middle of the field to be able to throw in the ball, suddenly there's not an open spot because Kumaro can't get down the field fast enough. You know, we're trying to work Devontae open, but we can't because Kumaro doesn't have this skill set. Whatever. So I think there's a lot that goes into it over and above Aaron Rodgers' preferences. Matt LaFleur is looking for certain pieces, and then also on top of that a certain talent level. But even the level of talent comes down to these are the key components I'm looking for, and it's my metric and my system, and, and I value this over this. And, you know, obviously everybody can see that somebody's good at certain things, but how much value you put in one thing over the other thing, whereas a quarterback generally is looking for wide receivers that he can trust, right? Being in the right place at the right time, catching the passes that I throw to you. There might be other attributes that the head coach is looking at saying, well, these are actually more important, although I understand why that would mean the most to you. And again, all these specific examples aren't meant to be specific examples. They're just examples to give you an idea of of what it is I'm talking about. I hate that this podcast felt negative. That wasn't my intention coming in. Suddenly, I don't feel as good about the team anymore. No, it's, it, it is going to be a good football team. I mean, you know, Marquez and Kumaro and all these guys, they're going to be better. 
If nothing else, the competition is going to be better. I think the scheme is going to help people get better. Obviously, the defense is going to be better. It might take a little bit of time. The offense has to learn the system. Uh, it might take some time for the defense, especially with guys like Savage that hasn't had a lot of time and needs to learn the system, and Gary who needs to kind of iron out a few things, and Kingsley, and you know, there, there's guys that need to work some stuff out. But again, a lot of what the NFL is is finding ways to win early, and then kind of getting it all together at the end of the season and becoming kind of full strength. You know, obviously there's going to be more injuries, but full strength in terms of we're doing it right now. We're in the rhythm, we're in the flow, the offense is going, the defense knows what they're doing, you know, the fundamentals are getting a little bit better, you know, things are sped up mentally. Very excited for the season. I just don't want to get hung up on how great a player is going to be. I don't know, man. Again, as I've said, this is going to come down to Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Devontae Adams, Brian Balaga, you know, Zadarius, Amos. These these bigger pieces are going to be the the bigger questions. Our wide receiver rotation, and is it going to be Geronimo and Kumaro, or Kumaro and Geronimo, or Shepard and this, and how many snaps is this guy going to get over this guy? And it matters, but it's not as wildly important as you know. I guess I just don't care. I care, but not to this extent. I'm I'm not going to fight anybody on it. If if you think Jay Kumaro's whatever, cool, that's fine. At the end of the day, it's not going to matter. The team isn't going to go from being mediocre to a Super Bowl champion because of Jay Kumaro. That might be true of, of Aaron Rodgers. That's definitely true of, of, you know, well, it's definitely true of Rodgers. It's definitely true of Devontae. If those two guys are gone, or one of those two are gone, it's wildly going to hurt this team. D- David Bakhtiari. Again, these are the core pieces to where if they make the team or don't make the team or get cut or get hurt, it's game over. Obviously, they're not going to get cut, but... You get my point. How much these guys matter is massively different than how much Jay Kumaro matters. So I just I don't want to get hung up on, on that so much. Although that's what this time of year is. Really getting overly sensitive about guys that are going to make the team and not going to make the team. <laughs> guys that we will not be talking about in two months. Anyways, I'm done talking in circles. Hope you all enjoy your Monday. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Have yourselves a fantastic day. Bye-bye.